Well, I was asked to, uh, it's a little loud there, speak on promises, and when uh, I was asked, it was very easy for me, because this is the promise that um, has been with me for quite a few years, Um, it's been with me longer than most of you have actually been alive. Long time, I know. Found in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. In Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, it says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, and this was my verse, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, when you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Then it goes on, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheba, in exchange for you. Now this is the, the, the passage that I went to school with down in the States, <clears throat> long, long time ago. It was my verse, it was kind of my promise. Not that I was expecting great problems, but God is with me. He's redeemed me. And when I got ordained, there was a lady who gave this as my office. It's a stamp that has this passage there, and it's for my books. I really like it because it imprints it in, so you can't steal my books. The part with this is, though, I never really understood the truth of the passage, I would never have thought at that point in time that you'd have to go through difficulties or problems. It's just a verse, a promise that really is you won't have to, right? Because God will help you through all these things. I trusted God until I thought that I knew better. I trusted God until his plans weren't the plans that I'd hoped for. However, I never really investigated the context of this passage. I just took the promises as they were, and we all know that is poor hermeneutics, isn't it? So looking at the context, we see part of it in Isaiah chapter 42. In Isaiah chapter 42, verses 22 through 25, it says, But this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. Spoil with no one to say restore. Who among you will give ear to this and will attend and listen for a time to come? Who gave up Jacob to to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Should he pour out on him the heat of his anger, this is God talking, and the might of him in battle? It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand, and it burnt him up, but he did not take it to heart. This is the context. For centuries, the Hebrew nation had known great persecution. They'd been hated. They'd been conquered. They had been taken from Jerusalem, and now they are in captivity in Babylon. However, Persia is now on the horizon. And Persia is now threatening to conquer Babylon. And Israel is thinking, God, what are you doing? See, this is not an, oh, it's just kind of not that bad, shake, shake, shake it off kind of a passage. I had to throw that in. (laughs) 
This is a passage that they actually felt they were going to drown. One more time, the water coming over and they weren't going to make it. And the other metaphor is a sense of a fire. This wasn't a campfire. This was they felt they were in the midst of a forest fire and there was absolutely no way of making it out. But chapter 43, verse 1 says something. It says, but now. I like the B-U-T, but nows in the Old Testament. But now, God is doing something. It's a shift. Something is changing. But now, says the Lord, and the scene changes. The Babylonians had captured Jerusalem in 587 B.C., God's people had been deported to Babylon where they were in exile from their homeland. They've already gone through great difficulties before this passage happens. And it seemed to them like God wasn't there. In chapter 42, verse 14, it already tells us that God had been silent. He says, For a long time I have kept my peace, I have kept still, and I have restrained myself. However, the messages in these chapters are the prophet's word of comfort and hope to God's people. See, the God of Israel had not been defeated by Marduk, the God of Babylon, or any other of the gods of Babylon. Yes, God was punishing his people for their sin, but punishment was now coming to an end. Fear not, Because I have redeemed you. That's a ransom. He paid a ransom. A price was paid for them. Cyrus the great Persian king, he's on the horizon. He's been called by God. And God said, freedom is coming. God will give, and I like this, Egypt, Cush, and Seba to Cyrus as a ransom for Israel. God will give Cyrus. He's egging him on. I'm going to give you three countries for Israel. That shows us the value and worth of Israel in God's eyes. The prophet's also addressing fear, though, isn't he? Specifically, the fear of being abandoned by God. Israel's in exile in Babylon, and she's afraid, afraid that God has forgotten her, afraid that God has abandoned her as his people. Sometimes it seems like a long wait, waiting for God. Sometimes the challenges in this broken world, in this sinful world, make us feel at times like God has forgotten us, or God has forgotten me. He's kind of left us to fend for ourselves. It's like he's abandoned us. The surgery that never seems to heal. The loneliness that never seems to get alleviated. The bad habits that continue to bind us. The depression that just doesn't seem to go away. The family problems that just don't seem to change. Sometimes it makes us wonder if God still loves us. Maybe we've really blown it. And we can't believe that God would ever forgive us. Now, not every person faces those kind of struggles, but many of us at times have wondered if God has forgotten us, if he's left us alone in our miserable situations. Maybe it doesn't seem that way in our heads, but often it seems that way in our hearts. So how can there be hope when I'm barely treading water? Well, 
How can I be sure that God could actually deliver me, that he has the power? Well, first of all, God is the creator, isn't he? He is the creator of all things. He called this world into being, and he organized it. He put it together. He put the stars in place. He, he, he made the land livable, a place where man and woman could live in it. He formed humans out of the dust of the earth. If God can do that, then you and I can probably trust him to do whatever he needs to do to fix our lives, to help us through things. Fear not. Why? Because of the salvation promises. See, you and I don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be, but we can choose to be. God says, I'm not going to abandon you, even in your sin, even in your captivity. I will not abandon you, Israel. God proclaims three promises for his people. He says, fear not, because I've redeemed you. God will not abandon Israel. He will not leave them. He says, I have redeemed you. I've bought you. I've paid the ransom. Fear not because I've called you by name. God has called Israel by name. God has called them on a journey back to the promised land. The certainty of making it is because God's called, God has called them by name. God has called you by name. God's called me by name. No matter how long or lonely our struggle is, you have never been abandoned in your, min- in your misery. I was going to say in your ministry. In your misery. God's called you by name. Fear not because I'm with you. We're on a journey home. I like this. And God says I'm with you. We are on a journey. It's long and it's a dangerous journey, but we're on a journey one of, with many potholes, one with many detours, one that slows our progress, and sometimes it actually can stop us in the process. In the book Pilgrim's Progress, he meets many people who are on the way back who have quit. They turn back. How can Pilgrim expect to make it when so many have turned back? Sometimes the difficulties are too much for us to handle. They are too much for us to handle alone. Too much for us to handle alone. This is why God says, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. And God says, I'll be with you. I'll travel with you all of the way. But God tells Israel, and he tells you, and he tells me, when you pass... When you pass through the waters, not if, but when you pass through, I'll be with you. Now this is after I understood the context. I didn't like the passage as much, but I like it even more now when I really understand it. None of us are immune from trials, tribulations, problems, and difficulties. God doesn't promise that there won't be floods. In actuality, promises there will be. John 16, verse 33, great verse, exciting, not. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Good. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. The flood of our struggles won't wash us away. Yeah, it'll soak us. Yes, it'll freeze us. Yes, it'll threaten to drown us. But it will never 
wash us away. When you pass through, see, you and I, we're, we're, all, we're very similar. We try to avoid the troubles, but we will fail. We don't all go through the same waters. For some, it's poverty. For some, it's bad health. For some, it's financial troubles. For some, it's discrimination. For some, it's physical or mental handicaps, abuse, family troubles. We all try to escape problems, first of all, by denial. And then at times, people try to escape it through alcohol, drugs, or pot. If we can escape it, we try to escape it. But you see, you and I are either going to go through these things alone or with God. There will be times when our faith is not as strong as it should be. There are times when sorrow and grief seem greater than we can bear. And this is when I have to hear, this is when you have to hear God saying, I will be with you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burnt. Yes, you're going to sweat. Yes, you're going to get tired. Yes, you're going to get faint, but you won't be consumed. When you pass through everything else, every other struggle imaginable, everything from water to fire, every natural and spiritual disaster possible, nothing will stop you in your journey as long as God's with you. Often we don't know where God is leading us. There are times when it seems like God isn't in the picture We feel like he's abandoned us and he's kind of left us to the struggle all by ourselves. But you see, he's redeemed you and me. He's called you and me by name. Psalm 77 verse 19, I came across this in the summer. And this is one thing I really like about the Bible and about God. That no matter how many years you spend reading, you can find something that just kind of jumps out and it's always been there. Psalm 77 verse 19 says, Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Your way, that's God's way. Your path, God's path. See, the path that you and I don't see all the time, we don't see that God's there, but he's leading us. If we permit our memories to dwell exclusively on our own hurts, we will never find the way out. When we focus negatively on our past experiences, sometimes they tell us that we can't trust anybody. And sometimes we even think we can't trust God. In the depths of depression, it's hard to keep our mind on God because we're so centered on our pain or on our problem. We need to Practice the discipline of practicing the Lord's presence. I need to practice. You need to practice the discipline of practicing the Lord's presence. Even if it's only for one minute out of every hour. See, that way, that helps you and I come face to face with the character of God. When I understand God's character that has the opportunity of changing how I'm walking through things. Each one of you, when you came in this morning, you were handed some different pieces of a puzzle. If you didn't get them, sorry, it's life. You got three or four pieces. And in your life and my life, we've each been handed pieces to a puzzle. 
And we want to figure out where they go. I watched some of you figure out what is this and maybe my pieces fit together. We want to figure out how they come together in the grand scheme of life. (laughs) The problem is that you and I don't have the top of the box. We just have, these are the pieces of my life, and they're just a few of the pieces, but I don't have the full picture. See, I'm holding the pieces, and I want them desperately to make sense. But they fit perfectly into God's plan because he sees the whole picture. He sees everything all at once. And my pieces will fit into this, but sometimes I will never understand how they fit. Sometimes you will never understand how your pieces fit. But here's the thing. Don't let your pieces not fit into there. See, I can choose to not follow God. I can choose to not I can choose not to and your peace might be missing next to my peace. And we have a gap. I want you to listen to this song and no I'm not going to sing it so you'll be very thankful. But I want you to close your eyes and just listen to this song. You'll probably recognize it as soon as you hear it. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and again just who I am because I need to know
Fighting the voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I'll never measure up. But see, God, you say that I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I'm weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say that I'm yours and I believe. I choose to believe what you say of me, not what the world says. The only thing that matters now is everything that God thinks of me. In you I find my worth, and in you I find my identity. When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the fire, the difficulties, what do we need to do? We need to think of God. We need to remember these pieces of the puzzle that just don't seem to fit, but they will fit because God sees the whole picture. We just see a small part. So today, you and I need to practice being in His presence. And we need to live in the character of God. That promise means so much more to me now that I understand the context. That in the midst of all of this difficulty, God says, I called you by name. I know you. I love you. And yes, this is what it's like, but I'll take you through. And no matter what happens, we see in Hebrews, some don't make it, do they? But see, in the path, he was always, always always with me. And if I can leave this challenge with us, that we need to be in his presence, and I need to understand his character. Because if I understand the character of God, I will be just like Jesus, and I'm a long, long, long way from that. It says, not my will, but yours. And the choice is ours this morning. Are we going to be in his presence? And are we going to live in his character? Are we going to choose to quit And go another way. And the choice is yours this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I thank you for your word which is truth and which is it's powerful.
And that in the midst of life, you are there and you journey with us. You've called us by name. You have redeemed us. And as we pass through, we may not sense you are there, but your character says you are. Help us to trust you anew and afresh this day. Help us to live in your presence and to remember your character in the good times and the not-so-good times. In the rejoicing times and the times of sorrow, you are God and you are good. Help us to be willing to be the pieces that fit into your majestic puzzle of life. Help us to be what you've called us to be. Bless each person, strengthen, be with them throughout this day and this week. And we ask this in your name. Amen.